What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Friday, November 1st. Coaches Friday, baby. We have got a very special edition of the podcast today. We are joined by two head coaches. First, Kermit Davis of the Ole Miss Rebels and Coach Riley of the South Alabama Jaguars here on Coaches Friday on the Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page at The Mitch Davis Show. Also, shoot us an email at TheMitchDavisShow at AOL.com. Before we get into the coaches' interviews, do want to do a special shout-out to our sponsors at S.Y. Wilson, the historic Arlington Depot Square. For all of your needs, whether that's Memphis, Arkansas, Tennessee, the whole SEC, or whether that's bait and tackle or kayaks or whatever they, whatever your needs are, S.Y. Wilson, the historic Arlington Depot Square, will have you hooked up. Tell them that Mitch Davis sent you, and they might even throw in you a little something for you. I want to thank you all all for tuning in to The Mitch Davis Show. It is Friday, November 1st, four days away from the start of college basketball season. And I want to thank these two coaches for coming on the podcast. Coach Kermit Davis, this is his third time coming on the podcast. Coach Riley, this is his first. These two men have are great examples for their team. They've got really good basketball teams this year. So I want to thank those two for coming on The Mitch Davis Show. Again, I want to thank our sponsors at S.Y. Wilson Historic, Arlington Depot Square, and also Jai Murray Realty in the Jackson, Tennessee area. They're the best real estate agents in all of Jackson, Tennessee, so be sure you go check them out. they got some of the most beautiful homes in the Jackson, Tennessee area. Davis to the podcast, head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Coach Davis, how are you doing today? Uh, doing good, Mitch. Coach, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the basketball season, I mean, you guys start play Monday night, uh, expedition play against Mississippi College in the Hurricane Relief game. Talk about that, Coach, and let's talk about what that means to your program and such. Yeah, you know, we we, we had a, a scrimmage versus Texas, kind of secret scrimmages last Saturday. Uh, it was good for our team. Texas got a really good team, I think. And uh, uh, so we've had a good week of practice. Uh, Mississippi College, we need to get under the lights and play a game. We've got a lot of new guys that haven't done that before. Uh, so, uh, and then for a great cause. I mean, obviously the hurricane relief game, we have especially one kid, Franco Miller, you know, from Freeport, that island was just devastated. Uh, Sammy Hunters from the Nassau area, and obviously Coach Yo, you know, is from Freeport. And so all the, the funds that are which will have donations during the game, at the game. Everything's going to be uh, given to, to Coach O's uh, nonprofit charity, and it'll be distributed right to those island people that, that need it desperately. I think you mentioned before we came on here, you guys have limited tickets available for, for that game against Mississippi College? Well, not it's, it's, it's no, it's not, it's a free admission. I mean, it's just general admission. There's no charge for the exhibition games. And uh, anybody can come to that. But uh, for the opening game against Arkansas State, you know, on the season ticket package, I think there's very limited bowl seats, uh, little bowl seats available. I think they're sold out of all premium seats. And uh, uh, we've made great progress. We're not where we want to be. Uh, my ultimate goal is that every seat in that place is pre-sold before we ever tip it up in the first game. So we've got some work to do there. But uh, the season tickets are up tremendously over last year, and that's a great, uh, it's a great thing. And we sure so much appreciate that from the Ole Miss people. 
Coach, let's talk a little bit about, uh, as much as you can, about the Texas secret scrimmage last week. What are some things that you saw out of your team and uh, maybe, you know, that you guys need to improve upon heading into this season? Yeah, we didn't share the ball anywhere where we need to. Uh, our sister baskets made was at a real low volume, uh, and that's something we, we really hung our hat on last year. We've done it for many, many, many years. And so the ball's got to get off the floor. That's probably the two main things that, that I saw. Rebound the ball okay. Uh, you know, and uh, didn't shoot it exceptionally well. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was a really good scrimmage for us. Coach, let's talk a little bit about your team. I know you guys lost Terrence Davis for one, but you got Brian Tyree and uh, Blake Kinson back, Devontae Shuler. Talk about your team and what are your expectations for this team? Well, you know, Devontae and Brian need to play at a high level. and That's not just scoring. Uh, they've got to be counted on for great, great leadership during tough times and in games. And everybody's got to go through pockets uh, of adversity, uh, how they defend. Uh, how they share the ball, and just a lot of different things that they, they've got to do very well. You know, we got to count our returning guys. Obviously, we're not going to have Blake Henson uh, for the early part of our schedule, and we hope to get some news, you know, in the next couple of days, and I'll say exactly when his return date is going to be. Um, you know, K.J. Buffin, Luis Rodriguez has had a great fall, and uh, Carlos Curry has really come on. Franco Miller, who was here last year, those two guys redshirted. And uh, and so we got to count on those guys to play to play early. So and then you got you know we're going to have a number of, of young guys to play: Sandy Hunter, Austin Crowley, uh, Bryce Williams, uh, Hadim C. I mean, so Duke McCullum. I mean, we we do we got we got eleven guys that that are going to play on our team this year in these games. Coach, looking ahead at the SEC, I know you guys were picked preseason, probably right around the middle of the pack. Talk about the SEC depth. I know that you've been in this league for one year, but you've been a coach coaching against the SEC for a long time. How far has this league come in your time coaching? Well, you know, the last time I coached in it before last year, I was an assistant at LSU in 2002. And it's just a bit number one overall, just the commitment to basketball. I was in the league at that, that time, uh, and I don't think, I think LSU hadn't totally committed to basketball. You know, it's probably maybe three schools in the league, and it's said, okay, we're totally committing to facilities, travel budgets, uh, recruiting budgets, uh, amenities in your facilities, building new places, and then you, you come in now, you know, 17 years later, everybody's is all in. I mean, and so the facilities, the fan bases, what they're doing, the SEC Network has been a big part of that. And Greg Sankey and, and Leibowitz, who's kind of over basketball, has been tremendous leadership at SEC. Coach, with the new commitment to basketball for the Southeastern Conference, is it easier to go out and schedule a lot of these big-name games that, you know, you guys have on your schedule or let's say a Florida has on the schedule? Is it easier for you guys to schedule these big-name games with these big-name programs? You know, we're always trying. you got to be smart with your schedule because your league is so good, you know, but then you want – you know, three or four or five opportunities in the non-conference that you're going to play national games. I think we've got that. Uh, I think it is. You know, it's kind of making it a little more difficult. The ACC is going to 20 games, conference play. The Big Ten goes to 20 games, non-conference play. And so, really, if you're not involved, like in the Big 12 SEC Challenge or a Big Ten ACC, whatever it may be, you know, these teams trying to round out home season ticket packages are playing, you know, guarantee games. So there's not maybe as many opportunities like 
for home and home. Most of high level these games are going to be neutral neutral courts unless it's that conference versus conference challenge. Coach, you mentioned the twenty games. Would you like the SEC to go to that twenty games? Yeah, I was just I was you know I, I listened a lot my first year in those head coaches meetings and. It seemed like Cal and the different guys, they liked the 18, just to give them more flexibility. I think some of that is those, those leagues have done it trying to uh, bump up their network, like the Big Ten network or the ACC network, where the SEC doesn't need any ball. I mean, it's by far the leading network in college athletics all across the country. And uh, so I think like what they're doing, like the ACC, they're opening up with ACC play, putting all those games on ACC networks, kind of giving a boost. And uh, the SEC didn't feel like they need to do that at all. Coach, I've got two more questions for you, and I'll let you go here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA stuff. We're going to talk about that last. But this next question is one for the Ole Miss fan base. How do you guys re, you know, come back from an NCAA tournament appearance and say, hey, you know what, let's go even further. Let's advance in the NCAA tournament because you are well known for doing that at Middle Tennessee State. How do you do that at Ole Miss, and how do you keep the Rebel fan base, you know, interested in your in your program? Well, you got to keep recruiting at a high level. That's absolutely number one. Uh, you you just got to put. I know this. You just got to put a product on the floor that the Ole Miss people feel good about. Uh, you don't have to win every game, but they appreciate hard play. They appreciate uh, guys sharing the ball. It's such a great fan experience in that pavilion. I've got to keep just touching fan bases all across the South and doing a great job with Club Red and the student body here. Our players do the same. And then we just got to put a product out there. And, you know, your ultimate goal is just trying to get in that tournament. Because once you get in the tournament, anything can happen. We didn't play very well at all. Oklahoma was terrific on this one night. And that's, that's the beauty or the bad of the tournament. And uh, but we, we've got to, you know, you just got to go through this process every single day and all these non-conference games matter. And you just got to get yourself for on that day in March, on that Sunday, to announce your name. And when that happens, like we've seen over the last years and years, anybody can get on runs and, and make advancement in that tournament. Coach, this is the last question I have for you, and this is a hot topic amongst uh, college athletics. The NCAA fair pay to play. What is your take on that? And maybe, you know, what is the positives and some of the negatives to the downside of that as well? Well, I think number one, you know, myself included, we all want what the players deserve. Uh, There's no question about that. Uh, I think the NCAA has made some progress over the last four or five years and they needed to because uh, it was pretty stagnant, you know, about this, this, things that the student-athletes were getting that they deserved. Cost of attendance is one. You know, like at Ole Miss, I was doing under 6,000 uh, opportunity funds to fly players back and forth from home, different things that they may need that used to be against the rules. Now it's available because the players couldn't afford them. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think the extra meals has helped. So they've been able to put some money in their pocket. But, but it needs to be more, and I think now it's just – the complexity of the issue of how you do it. And, and you know, it may end up at the federal level, uh, state levels, you know, university administrations. And I just think this, I mean, I think there's a lot of positive things to it, but you can't say just as simple as, that. okay, let's just pay the players. Coach, I greatly appreciate you coming on and 
you're always welcome. We'll probably talk to you closer to March Madness, and I will look forward to seeing you down at the Pavilion. You got it, Mitch. Thank you, man. Coach, have a great day. See you later. Bye, buddy. See ya. Very different things. And, um, you know, we, um, we, we always prepare and we work the same way whether we're picked first or last so we we're going to work every single day um, to, to go out and, and chase this thing we're excited about coach you guys I mean you mentioned the rich history and I actually ran by the Mitchell Center when I was down in uh, Dolphin Island uh, a couple months ago you guys have one of the nicest facilities you know for a Sunbelt team not only just a Sunbelt team but in college basketball I mean the Mitchell Center is historic do you guys feed off of that energy in that historic building yeah, it's it's a high major arena. Um, it's a power five arena. There's no question about it. Um, it seats ten thousand. They made they made a few renovations with our lighting, a new court, uh, a brand new um, screen that that overhangs over half court. This this off season they did all that, and um, it's high major arena. I mean, it really is. Uh, kids, when we bring them in on visits, are, are blown away at how nice it is. We got to we got to do a good job of, of winning and having some success and keep promoting our brand and our program so that we can have some high major crowds. Um, not only for the Auburn game, but we want we want those type of crowds um, every single night. And I think if we do our part, I think Mobile will come out and really support. Coach, you mentioned the Auburn game, and that is the it game on your schedule. A team who went to the Final Four last year. Uh, Coach and Bruce Pearl that is nationally known. Talk about that game and how you guys are going about preparing for that environment to play in SEC school. Yeah, you know, first of all, I always take the opportunity to to thank Coach Pearl and tell him how much we appreciate um, him being willing to bring his team to Mobile and and play at our place. Um, Not not many Power 5 schools are willing to do that, especially in state. Uh, Especially, you know, we're supposed to be pretty good and you know, a lot of those guys don't want to do that, but, you know, he's different. He's one of the best program builders of all time, in my opinion. Everywhere that he goes, they win. And, and he took Auburn to the Final Four last year, something that I think a lot of people didn't think was possible. But um, for, for us, it's huge. Uh, we've already sold over 8,000 tickets um, right now. We don't play until November 12th. So so it's unbelievable for, for our kids and, and our fan base to experience a game like that. Um, the obviously we're going in with the approach um, we got to win the game you know that's how we approach every game whether we're playing the Golden State Warriors or the Auburn Tigers um, we're coming to win the game but it's an opportunity for us to to gain gain more fans I think we'll have some people come out to that game just you know maybe just to see Auburn or maybe just to see a big time environment and if they love how we play the passion our kids play with um, I think we can hopefully get them to start coming out regularly and coming to all of our games Coach, let's talk a little bit about scheduling before we get into your team. I know is not a power five, is one of that group of five teams. It can be difficult to get those big marquee games. What do you do to get these? I mean, you've got Southern Miss, who's another big regional team for you, and you've got Auburn. You've got other teams lined up to play these teams. How do you get these schedules out there? Yeah, we play Southern Miss every year in the home and home. It's kind of a rivalry. Um, they're, they're an hour and 45 minutes down the road, I think. So that's been a tradition that we play. Um, the the only way almost to get some of these Power Five teams now to come play is to do a two for one, where we went to Auburn last year, they come to us this year, then we go back there next year. Um, some of them are willing to do that. I think I think you know I think another thing is how much confidence the high.
majors have in their program. Like Coach Pearl has a high level of confidence with this team and coming off the final four. Um, he's, he's built a big time program. So he's not as, as scared to go on the road and play um, one of the better mid majors like us. So that's huge. But, you know, the, the thing that's changing the landscape of college basketball is the majority of the Power Five is now playing 20 conference games. So it's a couple less opportunities for guys like us to get them on the schedule. Um, and, you know, lastly, I'll say this. I don't want those guys to, to want to play us because if they if they want to play us every year, it probably means we're not real good. So if if we have a team that, you know, that's, that's really good, I think some of those teams shy away from playing. And I think some of that's a statement of, of what you're building. So we want to be one of those teams that some of the teams play because they want to have that, you know, high-level game to help their spend the schedule, or they don't want to play us because they don't want to come to Mobile because um, they understand how good we are. Coach, you guys are picked to win the Sun Belt. You're going to be led by Trey Mitchell, who is the preseason pick to pull for the player of the year for the Sun Belt. Talk about your team and who are the other players to watch out for that you would say, hey, this team, you know, these group of guys is, is the guys that really lead this Jaguar basketball team. Yeah, you know, being, being picked to win the league is, is such a statement to our players within our program. Um, we inherited some guys that, that hadn't been great early in their career, but when we got here, they developed, you know, and took on and embraced our culture of work. Um, we pride ourselves on working harder than anybody in the country. So Trey Mitchell, um, who when we got here, had only had eight double-figure scoring games in his career as a freshman sophomore, um, doubled his production last year as a junior and put himself in a position to, to be an all-league guy last year and now he's preseason player of the year. Josh Ajayi um, averaged 16 points for us last year. He had never averaged over 11, I think. And um, he's a, he's a first-team preseason all-league guy this year and and one of the best mid-major post players in the country. And, and then he, and then Herb McGee he started for us all year last year. Um, he's probably going to be our sixth man this season. He could start some. I like to say we have six starters. But he averaged 10 points a game. And he's shown tremendous leadership and got better every single day. And, and then a lot of excitement is about the class that we brought in. Um, we, we've had one of the best transfer classes in college basketball the last two seasons since we've been here, two seasons in South Alabama. Um, that class is, has a lot of guys that have a chance to have a huge impact. Don Coleman, who's a preseason all-league pick this year, was the leading scorer in California, averaged 15 a game at Cal. Out of the back 12, um, he's came here and set out last season and drastically improved. Andre Fox, who just had 30 points at Mississippi State, set out last season to transfer from high point. He averaged 16 game there. Um, tremendous score. Um, just has a knack for scoring. He wakes up and rolls out of bed and, and can find a way to score 20 plus. Um, Josh Ianni is another guy that set out for us last year. He was starting five man at St. Bonaventure on their NCAA tournament team. Um, so he gives us some depth inside, his toughness and skill. And, and then we got Chad Lott this summer, um, a grad transfer from Howard, which is huge for us. He averaged 14 points a game and seven rebounds, high efficiency guy, and um, just an ultimate warrior. He's, he's, he's the toughest, most competitive kid we have on our team. And um, we're hoping to get him back on a waiver to have two years um, after this after this season because he got a medical redshirt at Rice. And then to not be overlooked, we have two freshmen. Um, that KK Curry is the highest rated high school kid to ever ever sign here since 247 started doing the rankings. And um, he's, he's a 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, 
seven uh, wing that is, is hydro athletic, one of the most athletic kids in the country. He's going he's gonna to have an impact as a freshman. And then Tyreek Lecture is another three-star recruit out of Des Moines, Iowa, originally from New Orleans. Uh, he was runner-up for Mr. Basketball in Iowa last year's all-time leading score in Des Moines High School history. And um, we think he's going to provide some valuable minutes for us at the point guard spot. So we feel like we're, we're nine deep and uh, excited about our nine. we got to keep getting better, but we like our, like our pieces. Coach, I've got two more basketball questions for you. Then we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you two little fun questions for the country to get to know you a little bit more. And uh, the the next question, Coach, do you think the gap between the mid majors and let's just say the Power Five conferences is closed? I mean, you look over the history, you look at a Butler, you look at teams like Wichita State and other teams. Do you think that gap is closing just over the uh, landscape of college basketball? Yeah, I think it's drastically closed. Uh, I think, I think it's closed because player development um, these days and how young kids start playing, whether it's AAU, almost every kid has their own trainers now. You know, when I was growing up, I'm only 36 years old, but when I was growing up, I, we didn't have that, that type of stuff. And I think there's so many players out there that a lot of guys get overlooked. And, you know, it, it allows mid-majors and low-majors to – to get some guys that years ago they might, they might not have got. And, you know, it's added to some parity. I mean, every year you see upsets, not only in the NCAA tournament, but you see them throughout the season in, in non-conflict. And, you know, it's a statement to how, how good college basketball is. I mean, there's, there's really good players everywhere. When you look at the NBA now, you see so many guys that are stars in the NBA and producing at a high level that played it at mid-majors or low majors. And, you know, I think that's helped kids be more comfortable choosing a South Alabama sometimes over a power five school because they, they see what type of impact they can have. And, and it gives them a better chance to really showcase what they can do sometimes. So, so I definitely think the, the margin is, has gotten a lot smaller between um, the power five and, and a lot of our good mid-major leagues. Coach, this is the last basketball question I have for you, and I know this is kind of a hot topic amongst uh, college athletics. And I, you know, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but what is your thoughts on this NCAA, you know, fair pay to play type thing? I know a lot of people have different opinions, and it's just a topic that I think a lot of people are wondering about. And, and as a coach, what is your standpoint on that? Well, I think it's a really, really you know, I said the hot button topic. It's it's everywhere, all over Twitter and all over the news, everywhere you look. Um, I've always felt strongly that that these student athletes um, should be able to benefit from what they do for the university. I understand that they're on some scholarships and they get a scholarship check, and that, you know this and that. They're they're certainly not stark. I understand that, but also, in my opinion, how is it fair? Um, for a kid to go out there and do all the right things and work like crazy to put his university and himself, you know, in a, in a situation where their jersey, for example, is being sold and they're flying off the shelves. You know, who gets that money? Somebody gets that money and it's not them. And it's sold in their likeness. Um, you know, I, I used the example the other day on, on one of these um, podcasts I did with somebody else's. You know, you look at two of them in Alabama or Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and you watch a game on TV and everybody in the whole crowd has those jerseys on. And it's 
it's not just an Alabama or a Clemson jersey. It's a Trevor Lawrence or, or a Tua jersey. So those kids have worked harder than most people can imagine to to get themselves in a position that they're in. So I feel like they should benefit from that. Um, I don't think all the money should go to somebody else um, when, when people are out there representing the, the kids' brand. Um, I do feel like they need to do a nice job of regulating how they do this. I don't know the logistics of it, how they're going to do it, because it certainly could turn into um, something that I don't think any of us want to see in college athletics of um, just an overwhelming um, chaos. I don't want it to be that, but I, I certainly think kids deserve to profit from their likeness and their image and and to be able to, you know, support yourself more because a lot of these kids, I think it's hard for a lot of common fans to realize this until you coach and you go into kids' homes to recruit them and you realize that these kids come from nothing. Um, they have absolutely nothing. They don't have somebody at home they can call and say, hey, I need $20 to, you know, get something to eat after practice tonight if the cafeteria is closed. So it's, it's hard for me to say that these kids shouldn't receive um, something within the rules to their likeness and image. Coach, I, you know, I completely agree with you on that, and that's something we've talked about on this podcast. But going to the two fun questions, I know you're a busy guy, and we'll let you go after these questions. But you live in the Gulf Coast region. You, I mean, you are right there at the Gulf Coast. Gulf Shores is right there. Dolphin Island. What is your favorite food when you're not eating the diet food of the team or whatever? What's your favorite food, Coach? Well, my number one favorite food is my wife Jess's soup, beans, and cornbread. That sounds we're, great. We're country folks from Kentucky, <laughs> and um, she'll soup beans for some people. They don't even know what it is, but it's like kind of like pinto beans, and you get the soup of it. You pour it over top of the cornbread, and you eat it. And it's it's my all time favorite food with some fried potatoes. Mm. And it's uh, I'm sitting my mouth watering. <laughs> it's um it's my all time favorite food, but I do have a have a love for seafood and living down here makes it great um all types of seafood and i i came to south alabama from south louisiana i was the head coach of nickel state for two years and i fell in love with with cajun food and seafood you know crawfish shrimp and catfish and you know i, I fell in love with it so that's probably the most common foods that i like is seafood but when it comes to if I could pick anything in the world, I, I would eat a bowl of soup, beans, and cornbread with some fried potatoes. Coach, when I come down to South Alabama, I might have to go have some of that uh, your wife's cooking there because that sounds absolutely <laughs> phenomenal, Coach. Coach, that's, that's a deal. Last, last question for you, and I, like I said, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Um, I almost guarantee we're going to have you more on, and I'm probably going to make the trip down to South Alabama to see you guys play this season. And also, you guys play at Arkansas State, so that's a – about a 45-minute drive for me, so I will more than likely be at that game. Coach. Yeah, come over. We'll bring, we'll bring you a burn the boat shirt. Make sure you come over. Hey, Coach, I appreciate that. Uh, Coach, this is the last question I have for you. When you're not at the basketball gym, what are you doing? I know you got a family and this and that, but what are you doing if you're not at the basketball gym? Well, I used to love golf as an assistant. When I was younger, I loved golf, and I still love golf. I watch it all the time. I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. And just love golf. It was it was relaxing for me, but you know, I don't know. I don't know if you have any children yourself, but when when you have kids, especially a five year old and, and a three year old, all the hobbies kind of go out the window when your <laughs> basketball comes. Um, 
my my two boys and my wife, my wife Jess, my best friend in the world, and Reese, my oldest one, and, and Rod, my youngest one, are you know that's that's my life. So we are constantly together. When I'm not in the office, I spend a lot of time in the office, probably too much. And I spend more time with my players probably than I do my own kids. You know, sometimes I look back, I hate that, but I'm always with my with my boys, man. We we come up here. My five-year-old is a hoops junkie. He makes 200 jump shots a day on a 10-foot goal. So I work him out individually. And my little man, Rock, loves, you know, everything from cars to football. So I spend so much time with my kids. So my hobbies include everything they like. Playing Mario Kart, playing, <laughs> playing you know, cars and trains, and playing flag football in the backyard, um, swimming. want to thank our two coaches, Coach Riley and Coach Kermit Davis, for coming on the podcast today to talk about their respective teams. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page at the Mitch Davis Show or shoot me an email at the Mitch Davis Show at AOL.com. Big thank you to our sponsors at S. Wilson Historic, Arlington Depot Square, and John Murray Realty in the Jackson, Tennessee area. Want to thank y'all all for tuning in to the Mitch Davis Show on Coaches Friday.